What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Warcraft Bucky Podcast. Tanner with you, with y'all, as always. Um, again, as y'all know, still kind of a uh, whole country. Everything's still in this quarantine situation. Um, no actual Warcraft going on still yet. Um, but definitely a lot, a lot has happened on, and certainly in college of lacrosse, on the uh, player movement front, I guess you would call it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that a bit here to start. I think the big thing is with, one, the Ivy League, and two, the Patriot League. Um, so the Ivy League, you know, I know there's some confusion for a lot of people around what the ruling actually was. Uh, the Yale AD came out on Twitter and said, you know, the initial report um, from the athletic was wrong. They're still working some things out. Um, but so essentially, here's what that means. So the Ivy League is going to uphold their standard that graduate students cannot play athletics. That's been a long-held tradition at the Ivy Leagues, um, going back as far as, you know, the early days before it was even uh, an actual conference. Okay, so that is not going to change. Uh, graduate students cannot play Ivy League athletics. What, what kind of, because we've seen those, some confusion around Michael Sowers, if you have withdrawn or not. And then, you know, Rob Pinnell utilized that front as well when he withdrew. Uh, Michael Salas has said now that he has not withdrawn yet. Um, so Michael Salas is still enrolled at Princeton. Um, and the rumors around that he might have been going to withdraw and come back in the spring, what that is is... The Ivy League gives you eight semesters to compete in athletics as an undergraduate. That is where they are kind of still working things out. Um, I've heard some things that they might extend that to, um, or some ideas of maybe extending it to 10 semesters. Um, so, there's a difference between a fifth-year player and a graduate transfer. There are fifth-year undergrads. There are fifth-year graduate players. So the Ivy League, in terms of what they are working out currently, to me, sounds like they're working out if they're going to allow undergrads to play an additional one, two, three semesters of athletics with spring sport athletes, we know the NCAA has given that actually the eligibility. So that's how that, that whole situation is. Um, there's still a lot of questions, I think, around that. And I don't really see the Ivy League moving at all to do anything for that. Um, I don't think we'll see a ton of guys withdraw or whatever. Um, but there could be, you know, some of that happening. 
Um, I really, it's, it's a lot of speculation right now. Um, we know they're going to uphold the graduate, the grad student thing. Um, the fifth year undergrad um, is, is still kind of being worked out, I guess, uh, from what I from what I've heard and some other things that I've read. Um, and and, and I, I know, and when you look at that, if they maybe extend that permanently, you could see guys set up an academic plan around playing 10 semesters of lacrosse. And when I mean 10 semesters, I mean fall, spring, fall, spring. Um, it's not like you play 10 springs, 10 seasons. It's 10 semesters at school. Um, you could possibly see guys set up situations that work for them. Obviously, you have the financial component with the Ivy Leagues not offering athletic scholarships at all. Um, but you have guys that get, uh, you know, depending on how much uh, academic aid you get or need-based aid you get. Um, so you could potentially see guys set up a situation where you know, they can take an extra year. And right now I'm talking about these underclassmen that get that fifth year um, by the NCAA. If the Ivy comes out and says, okay, well, what guys, these guys, undergrad players now, we'll let y'all do an extra year um, as an undergrad. You could see a situation where they set up a academic situation, athletic situation for themselves uh, that fits where they could then take a fifth year as an undergraduate student. Um, I, that gets a little messy and there's a lot of questions with that. But I think if we're going to see guys take fifth years in the Ivy League, that's going to be what we're going to see. Um, I mean, you do have the loophole of withdrawing um, and then coming back next spring, which which has been utilized in the past. Um, but I mean, we'll see how everything looks out there. And then I, I do know someone, uh, talked to some people that they were confused. They thought, so I've heard some people mention that you know, Ivy League guys don't get aid wherever they, if they choose to grad transfer and play somewhere else, they don't get aid. I, I don't know if that part is fully true, but I do know that anybody who grad transfers anywhere this year, so if you're a senior at, let's say you're a senior at um, High Point, and you grad transfer, let's say you grad transfer to Maryland or, or, or wherever, you, that money that you get, you get any money for that counts against the scholarship limit at that school. If you come back to the school that you were at, it does not count against their scholarship limit and you get the same or less than you got last season. That's part of the NCAA's blanket waiver to give spring sport athletes an extra year. Uh, you have to come back to your school for the scholarship money not to count against that school's scholarship 
uh, limit, which is in Division One, twelve point six. Now, what the Patient League has said, um, Inside Lacrosse reported this on Saturday, I believe, um, is that they're basically going to leave it up to. I think they have a bylaw actually that says, you know, this is left up to the individual schools. Well, I mean, which makes sense because. We know what Army and what Navy are going to do, right? I mean, those guys can't come back for another year. Um, we know that there are multiple schools in the Patriot League that do not have graduate, um, graduate programs. I believe Colgate will have limited graduate opportunities. I believe Colgate is one of those. Um, and there's you know, a number of schools that maybe don't uh, except grad, grad students playing um, athletics, right? So, um, you know, I think there's going to be some schools that do allow guys to come back, and then other ones, if, if, I mean, and again, the whole grad school thing with Patriot League schools, many of them having limited or no grad school opportunities. So it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, those schools individually do, but I mean, I think, think that's kind of uh, the way that many thought it was going to go because you do have so much variation in the Patriot League in terms of uh, guys playing as grad, as grad students and all of that. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what comes about there. Uh, so that's the Patriot League side of things. Now, turning, you know, Turning direction here towards guys that are coming back, um, that have announced they're coming back. We've had quite a, not quite a bit, but there's been about six, seven that have announced so far. Mentioned uh, many guys on that last podcast. Uh, so Ohio State has a couple um, that have announced they're coming back. Uh, and, Grant Ament had announced that he was not coming back. Uh, now we have two Penn State guys that have announced they will come back. Mac O'Keefe, obviously uh, the sharpshooter uh, attackman. And then you have Nick Caldiel, um, defenseman, uh, led team in cause turnovers this year and last year as well. Um, honorable mention All-American. He was a second-team media All-American this year. Uh, he is coming back as well for Penn State. Uh, those are the only two guys for the Nittany Lions that have announced they're coming back thus far. Um, but, you know, in terms of this whole situation, it does look like, you know, the bigger state schools and the schools that are, can offer guys to come back, uh, or can offer that opportunity for guys to come back, um, it does look at those schools are kind of, if you want to say anyone's winning this race to get guys back, um, it does look like those kinds of schools are, if you want to call it winning or not, they are, uh, more guys are coming back at those schools than other ones. Um, mentioned Ohio State has three guys, three key players that have announced they're coming back. Penn State has two key guys that are coming back. Um, Hoff, should we know Seth Tooney, mostly uh, Ryan Tooney, uh, Seth Tooney's son, is coming back. Um, 
So it, 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 it all is kind of on a case-by-case basis for the player and the school as well. Um, and it seems some of those, you know, quote-unquote bigger names at some of the bigger state schools um, are coming back. Um, and then before we switch over to kind of the pro game here and, and kind of what the PLL has said, um, and the MLL has done over the past week or so. Um, do want to mention that you know there's been some concern over maybe do all college lacrosse programs going to get cut because of this. Um, I don't necessarily see college programs getting cut because of this. I know Old Dominion. Uh, just announced that they cut their wrestling program, which is a, one of the cheaper sports, uh, believe it or not, wrestling is. Um, they cut the wrestling program at Old Dominion. Um, and they stated, well, so first off, they stated it was a uh, multi, they had been investigating the viability of that program for months prior uh, to all of this. But it does seem they, they, they stated in the, in the release that coronavirus was a factor in their decision. Um, and we know the NCAA is not giving schools as much money as they usually would get because of the NCAA basketball tournament being canceled. Um, and we'll see uh, what happens with college football? Uh, but that could play into it as well. Um, you know, I I I, I do one hundred percent believe we're gonna have a football season, a uh, college football season. But uh, I think the to what extent I would say is kind of where things get iffy. Um, you know, we saw Dabo Sweeney say. Uh, you know, we will have a season, said something about we're going to shoot this virus like we shot the Nazis or something like that. Um, what kind of lava on everybody there? Um, and then on uh, former, I think there's a former Missouri athletic director, I believe, was on, on, on the Paul Feinbaum show, said, um, you know, if we don't have a vaccine by, I think he said June or July. Uh, college football season would be affected. Um, I believe they do have some kind of, uh, I wouldn't call it a vaccine, but some kind of drug that they are giving people um, to help them who have the virus. So uh, I do believe we're heading in the right direction there. Um, and then, you know, that does bring in the issue of fall ball as well. Um, when you look at if we have a full college football season, shortened college football season, um, if we have a spring college football season, which I've seen, um, a summer college football season I've seen as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But um, and that the extent of college football for many schools will impact the athletic budgets as well because college football is the big money maker and so is college basketball and, and particularly March Madness. Um, I don't necessarily think that 
all of that is going to impact <clears throat> college lacrosse as a whole in terms of schools cutting their programs. Um, and you know, I do know I do realize college lacrosse is one of the more expensive sports. Uh, I think it's the second largest roster size on campus. Uh, men's lacrosse is women's lacrosse has got to be at least up there as well, I believe, uh, maybe third or fourth um, in terms of roster size. But obviously, football being the biggest, um, and, but when you consider there's only 12.6 scholarships, and you have many programs that aren't even fully funded for a team that, for a roster that has over 30 guys on it, right? You know, you have roster sizes with, you know, 45, 50 guys on it, right? Um, actually, don't have the number of, I mean, how many are actually limited to a roster, but uh, it's a fairly large roster for this 12.6 scholarships. Um, so you do have the kind of, the I don't know what, what you would call that, the number between scholarships and guys actually paying to go to school there. Um, it's not like football, where you have 85 guys all on scholarship, right? It's um, 12.6 over a, what, 45, 50 roster team. Um, so you're going to have a number of guys that are paying. And you also have the academic aid and need-based aid uh, factored in there as well. But you don't have as many guys that are, um, you know, not have really rarely been any full rides in lacrosse. So, um, you know, there is that aspect there that lacrosse brings in. You could argue, I think, the fact that lacrosse is more financially viable because of that um, than some of these other sports as well uh, that maybe have smaller roster sizes but similar amount of scholarship slots. So, I don't see lacrosse programs getting cut because of this. Um, moving on to the PLL here, and uh, you know, they have said uh, Mike Label came out, I think it was today, actually recording this on a Monday here, um, on a video saying that the season, the things they're looking at is A, um, playing the season in full, starting on was it May 27th, and playing the full season as it is. That's the number one thing. Number two, um, well, I think he said they have three buckets to look at, and that was one. Um, secondly, would be pushing the season back and playing the full season. And third would be pushing the season back and playing an abbreviated season. The MLL has already said that they are going to push the season back. They've also um, set up a fund, I believe it is, um, to have to pay players uh, for the time lost, I believe it is, 
Um, so they have a fund that's going to help fund these players' um, salaries while they're not playing. Um, so for the time they lost, I believe everyone's going to get that made up of, and they have a fund that the owners have set up to uh, help support that. Um, so we'll see what all transpires there. Um, you know, I'm still fully believing that we're going to have a full PLL season. I'm still believing that we're going to have, uh, you know, the MLL is going to start. Um, you know, we I, I don't think either league is going to start the last weekend of May. Um, like they say, uh, like the original schedules uh, present themselves. Uh, but I do believe that we're going to see them start probably somewhere mid-June, uh, which would be fine. And you can still end. And September, maybe to have a bit of an abbreviated season, uh, maybe, you know, uh, extend the end of the season into October. Um, first week of October, we start in June, uh, that would be pretty, uh, pretty fine. And I think that's kind of where we're headed at the moment when you look at both the PLL and the MLL. Um, also, you know, the drafts. Uh, that's going to be an interesting thing with some seniors coming back, some not. What's all going to transpire there? So we'll see what happens with the drafts as well. Um, and then also the NLL season, you know, they're still in a suspended state. Um, I don't know exactly when they're going to come back up. Um, they're in a bit of a different situation. Um, because you do have Canada and the U.S. to worry about rather than just the PLL and MLL, which just the U.S. And in those leagues, you do have to, I think the PLL has a bigger problem because you are literally a traveling league. So there may be some, some venues that say, we're so closed, we can't have anything. Or other venues might say, we're good. Um, the MLL, with their team city-based model, there may be one city where they could all go to and play a weekend, right? Uh, there may be one or two states that they could go and just use those two venues. They're not traveling to different venues each weekend. Uh, and same thing in the NLL. You know, I've seen some suggestions of maybe playing at the track up in Toronto um, or at the Langley Event Center out in um, British Columbia, which would, and I don't know if the track would be a good one now because I think Toronto or Ontario as a whole has a kind of, uh, they would, I think it's a, a ban on events or whatever until like June. So that's going to be an issue. Then you also have the issue of the uh, MSL and WLA, what those leagues do, junior and senior lacrosse as well. So uh, summer, you know, still, still, well, it's just April now, so still quite some time to figure things out. And obviously, you know, um, you know things can change rapidly. Um, so we'll see how everything plays out uh, with how lacrosse is going to be played this summer. Um, and how all of this in the college game with 
guys coming back extraordinarily how everything works itself out thing. As always, guys, thank y'all for listening. Um, find us on social media at Workhouse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. My personal at Tanner underscore Demling. WorkhouseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.